Hello and welcome to episode 362 of the award-winning Fergal and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRLP. Join me yours, as always, is that yammering clam League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, mate? How dare you use a term like that? That term, Andrew, is sexist. And I would never <laughs> use that term. Let's be honest. You, you dropped it pre-show. You knew I was going to bring it up. I was reading out a text message. Yes. That's all I was doing. I, I wasn't saying it. It was somebody else said it. Yeah, I was just passing on the message. An avid fan? Well, I wouldn't call them a fan. No, I'm going to call them a fan. Avid fan. Um, they should be thankful. Very, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Um, huge, huge um, supporter of the podcast. Yeah. Um, occasionally does some stuff for us, but, you know, that's just that's just something that they like to do just to give a little bit back. Yeah, and as they should, and that next time they should try harder, do better. It's the least they could do, really. Now, we've got the, the jibbering out of the way. We've got mm-hmm. a few little, few little news pieces to talk about, and we, we're going to see how many uh, YouTube comments we can get through as well as a few emails. True, that's true. So but We're just serving the humans here. We're trying our best anyway. So the first bit of news, come a couple of days ago, the Panthers have finally sacked Tyrone May, and it was over an ill-timed and ill-conceived uh, Instagram post where <laughs> yeah, so stupid he, about this. I know, and, and he he held a pity party pretty much at the end of, of full time at the grand final, and the Panthers were just pissed off about it, and it brought uh, not great attention to the club. It's the first time he's really done that from memory. I can't think of anything else that might have done that as well, but um, <laughs> they finally sacked him, and I can't. I have not seen one single Panthers fan that wasn't very happy that he is gone and good riddance uh, it's it's just nonsense that you know you can he can go and do what he did and be found guilty of an actual crime yeah that's fine these things happen you put up a you put up a uh, a post on instagram that is a little bit mm, naff yeah that doesn't and read the fuck room. you your sacks and you're like you know what you you got it the wrong way around penrith they the moment he did a a crime, mm-hmm. that's when you go, fuck you, you're sacked. Not not when he just does something on that's legal on Instagram. That's that's yeah, you've got it wrong. Uh, about twelve months wrong. The only thing I can think is that maybe in the player contracts, and I don't know this, this is just a guess, but maybe in the player contracts he had done enough things to have warranted discipline by the club that they finally got to a legal position where they were able to sack him. That's all I can think. Cause I agree 100% with you. I, I, I think Penrith just took the soft option initially. And this is probably more about trying to save their own backside because it's looking pretty clear that Tyrone Mays, um, he's a bad egg. Yeah without going into it too much further than that. Um, and it looks like, because he's he's one of those bad eggs, though, that has a lot of, you know, he's kind of like the centre of attention. So a lot of the teams sort of um, are drawn to him, none more so than Nathan Cleary, apparently. So getting rid of him might be seen as a way to 
get all the players focused back on playing football and not on supporting this drop kick. Yeah, and like the weird thing for me is if you looked at it from a pure footballing point of view, you would say that this is an improvement for the Panthers. It doesn't really matter who they bring in as a replacement in terms of if they just brought another forward onto their bench, if they carried somebody that could only play in the halves, it, it doesn't really matter. He wasn't a good football player. Um, but you're right. All, all of the distractions and stuff, they don't need it. And the good thing, if you're the Panthers club, you look at this and, you, and you're on the board or you're part of the management team, you can make this move and know that no one is going to turn around at any point in the future and say, well, you got rid of this player for disciplinary reasons and you cost us this because there's nothing to cost like their premiers. Everyone's job is basically safe, at least Tyrone May, for the next 12 months at least. So the club was in a strong position to do it. I wish they had done it a long time ago. I know a lot of Panthers fans do as well. And quite honestly, I'm just happy that this is completely behind us now. Yeah, although it is the off-season, so the media will be... Well, they'll be trying to make stories about this for eternity. I mean, Mm. the the beauty is some club will probably want to sign him, and that club most likely will be the Tigers. So, you know, there'll be that. And if, if the Tigers aren't, any interest, aren't interested in him, which it seems like they're not, mm-hmm. some dickheads in the media will start saying, oh, the Tigers should go off to Tyrone May. He's a premiership winner. Blah, 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 yeah. T- you know, one, one of the things I saw is that the media is trawls their players' Instagram accounts. And even, like, his uh, his brother apparently posted something on Instagram. and And I was just thinking, like, What's it like to be a journalist who sits down and is like, oh, I might look at all of the players in the family Instagrams and see if I can come up with something. It just shows where journalism is at right now, especially rugby league journalism. I I thought it was a little bit embarrassing um, where things that are maybe footnotes that could be at the bottom of of an article, they're making like big news out of it. And I understand why to a certain degree, but, you know, there's other stuff to talk about. And the crazy thing is you only got to go back to the the 70s and 80s, even the early 90s. When it was the off season in rugby league, Mm -hmm. you just didn't hear about it. But everyone just accepted that, you know, rugby league just doesn't get played during the summer. So we'll just go and watch the cricket then. Yeah, it was like after the grand final, a switch was flicked and it was cricket season. And, yeah. you know, if we had test matches and things, they were a bit of a bonus. But it wasn't like rugby league. And it's the same thing with cricket. Cricket, like, what was the end of the cricket season? It used to be the last, the one-day final, the, uh, what did they call that one-day series? Oh, the, uh, what was it, was it well, tri-series? I can't remember. Yeah, they didn't call it World Series by the time we were watching it. Anyway, the end of the, no. the Tri-Series final, like literally the next day, cricket season was over and it was football season again. Yeah. And there, I don't think cricket has got to that same point, but definitely the football codes in Australia are now 12 months a year. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, yeah, four to five months of those, um, of those 12 months is tedious journalism at its at its absolute worst. Mm. 
Um, the rest is when te- the tedious journalism is at its best. Don't know if there's much difference there, but yeah. <laughs> it's all tedious either way. True. Now, we had also a little bit of news from in the Northern Hemisphere. We had the Ottawa Aces. They relocated, which is a pretty pretty cool task to do when you don't have any players or administrators or headquarters or anything at all. And they moved from Ottawa in Canada to Coventry in the southern... Hang on, uh, Cornwall. Oh, Cornwall, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I said Coventry. I can't. I don't know why I keep saying Coventry, but Cornwall, it, which is in the very southern part of England. Um, which, as, the, as, I've, as I've seen from some of the comments on Twitter, it's basically like, for, for English people, it's like trying to travel from, say, Huddersfield to Saturn to watch yeah. football. Yeah, yeah it's a long way. Um, and, you know, because of that, it's so far to travel. Um, they'll they'll try and uh, you know, find a way to kill that team off, I guess. Well, the last fucking pom that didn't piss and moan about having to travel somewhere was Jimmy Cook. <laughs> you know, he was the only one that's had the, enough of a fucking brain in his head saying, you know what, give me a ship, I'm going to fill it full of shit, and I'm going to Tahiti. <laughs> you know what, I reckon Jimmy Cook was out of his time. I, I reckon he could have been... The possibly the finest uh, first ever president of rugby league. That would have been fantastic. He's actually, I consider to be, I'm a massive fan of James Cook, and I consider him to be a genius. Um, he is, I think he's the greatest explorer in human history, and I don't think it's close. I, I admire him for so many different reasons. And uh, number one was that he sort of looked around and said, hey, I'd rather be on a fucking boat in the middle of the Pacific than in this fucking rainy place. Get me out of here. It's uh, I mean, it's understandable that he wanted to, to be on a boat somewhere. Nav- navigating waters where no one knows what's out there. That, 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 that seamless aimlessness of never knowing how the hell we might get back if we ever do get back or where we're going to end up that to him was more important than being in Liverpool. Well, can you imagine, right, if you were told to jump in your car and just drive to the middle of New South Wales, but then the thing was that in the middle of New South Wales, you are going to a place where there is literally going to be nobody within six hours of you and you're not allowed to take a phone and how scary that would be, just in case you got a puncture, in case your car overheated or whatever, right? And then you get there and that does happen. He come down here, he circumnavigates the both of the New Zealand islands, then he comes over, discovers, for European perspective, the eastern coast of Australia, goes up, and then they hit a coral reef, and have to drive the ship up onto the beach at Cooktown and start cutting down trees and repairing this the endeavour while it's on the beach on its side. That is unbelievable. Just, uh, it's kind of like an F1 driver doing their own pit stop in the middle yeah, of a race. Yeah, but he's in the middle of a paddock somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Just doing laps it's in crazy. a paddock. It's really crazy. Uh, from memory, he was 
he was really happy that I think he'd only lost because he did a couple of trips. I think it was the first one where he'd only lost a couple of crew members and I can't remember what that was to. But then he they went to um I believe the first member who passed away was um was it Torby or Forby Sutherland? And he got buried understandably, you know, where Sutherland is near. Oh really? There's a there's a plaque out there uh where near where he was reportedly buried apparently. Oh. Been meaning to check it out every time I go up there, but um I haven't actually done the right research to find out where the hell it is. There is a plaque. Mm-hmm. No one talks about where it is, though, but it, I believe it's the first – it would have to be the first white person buried in Australia. You'd think so. I, I Well, because I, I don't – like, the, the things they died of, it wasn't like they were getting diseases and stuff. And he was very – and they weren't getting really into too much conflict with any any of the places they were going to. Like, there was some conflict at times – but he was very much about um, trying to avoid that, which gets lost a little bit uh, with some of the more modern retellings of history. Look at us turning into a history podcast. But then they went to... <laughs> but but uh, not a rugby league history one. No, no. So then this, they this, went, is, this is before rugby league, so I'm actually not too, too keyed up on all this stuff. Okay. Then they went to, uh, <laughs> I believe it was Singapore. I think it was Singapore. And, uh, of course, it was a very different sort of place and heaps of his crew died of uh, disease because it wasn't a very sanitary place. He was very upset by that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. My my um, my history research only really peaks around 1893. Okay. Yeah. And really, really tees off in the 1900s, mostly in Australia. It's yeah, a bit so- coincidental with, you know, rugby league and stuff like that but yeah you know, i'm sure that's just a coincidence that's yeah, probably just a coincidence yeah. um anyway so so yes they ottawa moved they moved to cornwall and they're going to be called yeah. the cornwall crows and yeah uh lots of piss and moaning about away games and things like that and it's just it's kind of weird that there was that much whinging about it's literally like if you and me said you know what our podcast is now going to be done from Moscow. And that's it. And we just declared it. Like, there's nothing there. Yeah, it's it's a pretty pissy complaint to make. When, yeah. Especially when you consider how far Australians have to travel. I mean, they're worried about driving for five hours to a football game. We can't drive to watch games in Auckland when we're in Australia. Yeah, Just let that sink in. Try and drive for five hours from Sydney to watch a Melbourne Storm game or a Gold Coast Titans game or a Broncos game or a Cowboys game. Well, you, I mean, you can Just get... Even, even, I was going to say, even try driving from Bondi for five hours to get to a Penrith home game. Seriously, I've been stuck <laughs> in traffic for two hours and still been in Sydney. Um, I know that the trip to Canberra, depending on, um, let's call it the flow of traffic can be around about three hours and mm. get it down to two and a half if you've got really good traffic. But, um, well, you yeah. You pushing to get from Canberra to Melbourne in five hours because you still could drive north up to Yass. You could kind of drive in the wrong direction to start with. You reckon? Otherwise it's, yeah, otherwise it's a bit of a windy road going down through the snowy. Yeah. Um, it's a better drive, but it's a longer one. 
I I don't mind the drive. The only problem with the drive to Canberra is you end up in Canberra. Outside yeah, of that, it's a nice drive. I like it. Yeah. It, it, that, that is a disappointing. You go, oh, we're finally out of Destiny. <sighs> Damn it. Can we, can we go somewhere else now? Damn it. Yeah, I, the... The uh the best traffic conditions I've ever had was going what what it was going to Canberra I think it was and I was in really good traffic conditions I was like let's see how good this traffic can really be it was pretty crazy I would have had my car crashed you get out to the uh, the outer suburbs there and it's just roundabouts everywhere well yeah and the roundabouts that's, how they, that's how they keep everyone there is it just going like, everyone get dizzy and they don't end up driving back into the city again Hang on, I'm trying to leave this place, and you just get stuck in there. And none of them know how to use a roundabout the close. So nah. to having a car crash was at a roundabout. I'm driving. There's a car in front of me. Further down, have a look into the roundabout. One of the massive ones. I'm like, oh yeah, there's nothing coming there. Oh, this person has stopped. <laughs> this is so scary. Half yeah. of them are indicating when they enter and exit. The other half are just indicating when they exit some are indicating when they enter but when they exit you stand there looking at all these indicators going what the fuck is this prick doing and what's this one doing what's he gonna do and you just you second guess and you sort of jump out like someone using a manual car for the first time just jump start (laughs) (laughs) um so anyway yeah there was that (laughs) we will get back to rugby league soon uh, and yes, oh, here's some information that Andrew didn't know before the podcast, and I made sure he didn't know. So it's been an announcement by the International Rugby League, oh, yes. and it was made on Twitter, and it said, the board, the board of the International Rugby League has agreed that the Golden Boot will not be awarded in 2021. And there's a quote here that says, the Golden Boot is the most prestigious individual award available to international players, and to exclude such a large part of membership seems unfair. So what they're basically saying is that because some other teams didn't play, the games that were played don't really count. No, what they're saying is because because England played and were not convincing in either of their two performances, let's just not worry about it until they've actually had a proper win. Because remember, last year, there was an international fixture played, and they said, no, no golden boot that year either. Yeah, and, like, you know, the thing was, too, I – because I've been thinking about the King of Rugby League Awards, which is the most prestigious rugby Mm. league award on planet Earth. They'll be coming up soon. Yes. Do you know, we don't have an International Player of the Year award. It is a representative Player of the Year award. There you go. So it encompasses state of origin, but it does encompass international rugby league games as well. And I will take into account every game that I've seen. And the award winner will be just and satisfying to our listeners. Yes. It would be great if it was someone who played, say, for the combined team against England. Imagine that. That would be pretty funny. (laughs) But we'll see what happens. Yes, I generally but, don't know, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving away any spoilers there. I, we've not, I'm not really that involved in it, but I know there's been no real conversation about it yet. We had the only, the only time I would say that you were utterly involved in it, and we do talk about it, but we haven't for this year yet. We'll probably talk about it in a week or so. What do you reckon? Yeah, sounds uh-huh. good. 
So, uh, but yeah, if people got pissed off about it, I'd say it's all Andrew. <laughs> and you know what? You can do that because the the governing body for rugby league worldwide has called me an expert. So, you know that you don't get any high praise in that. So, you know who who can you argue with that about? You know exactly, exactly. Um, level. Is there any news that you've seen that you'd like to bring up, Andrew? Uh, the other thing I've heard and only seen around on Twitter is this talk that Luke Brooks could be going to the Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd just like to say in regards to that. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I agree. I thoroughly agree. Now, before we get on to what we're going to do for the majority of the podcast, um, we got an, another email, and it came in a couple of days after our email um, episode. So I thought I'd read it out. It's an interesting subject. I haven't read the whole thing yet, but it's from Chris, and he it's the subject is the legacy of Mitchell Pearce, and he says, "What is the legacy of Mitchell Pearce? Is he an overachiever, underachiever, or was he as successful as he could be?" I think Mitchell Pearce will have a complex legacy, but with the caveat that he won a premiership. Love the pod. You legends are getting me through uni. So thank you for that, Chris. That's a really good question. Um, what do you think about Mitchell Pearce's legacy? Here's the thing with Mitchell Pearce. He's a bit of an enigma, right? The poor bastard was up against it from the very get-go because of who his dad was. Mm-hmm. But... The one thing that helped him is the fact that his dad wasn't a half. He was a forward. So the comparisons were never going to last long. It's just the fact that, you know, you're Wayne Pierce's son. That automatically gets people's eyeballs on you. Um, I think a lot of people expected uh, a lot more out of um, Mitchell Pierce than probably he even indicated that he had. Mm-hmm. And it was probably just because of his dad and that was all. And so I think for the most part, in a lot of people's eyes, he's seen as an underachiever. But I think at club level, I think he's been, you know, for the majority of his career, not not so much the last 18 months. Not that he's been horrible, but I think he's he's tapered off the last 18 months. Yeah. Um, I'd say he's been pretty consistent at club level and – at worst, reliable at club level. I mean, it's only been the last few years that he's actually started to get injuries. He played a, I think he was one of the youngest players to ever get to 200 NRL games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't think he's been that bad. Uh, he's a better defender than most halfbacks. Definitely. Um, again, something that's tapered off in recent times. His kicking game's always been, you know, Safe. Mm-hmm. Probably go with safe. I wouldn't say it was threatening or anything like that. He's always had a pretty good passing game. His running game has had moments where it's been really good and moments where he, he put it in the back, you know, in the back seat and just went, yeah, let's not worry about it. Um so he does draw a few comparisons for me with someone like um Mitch Moses, except Moses tends to disappear a lot more than Pierce does. And stay disappeared for a lot longer, not just in games, but over the course of a season as well. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think Pierce has been woeful. I don't think no, he's been it, I think a, that... a world beater either. I think he's just sort of, you know, he's in that Luke Brooks sort of region, probably a little bit better than Brooks, but, you know, around that sort of area, you know, he's he's probably in the top, you know, at his best, he's in the top 10 halves in, in Australia or even in the world, I guess. Um, yeah, it's solid. I'll go with solid. Solid, okay. It's, I remember hearing about Mitchell Pierce when he was uh, way before he hit first grade. I don't want to sound like Phil Gould. But he, there was a lot of hype about him before he hit first grade. And I think the fact that his dad was uh, Wayne Pierce didn't help that fact. But he was hyped up, especially by Andrew Johns, weirdly enough, yeah. saying this kid is going to be the next great thing. And at the time, rugby league in New South Wales in particular was looking for the next Andrew Johns because we we were just leaving the Andrew Johns era and greatest halfback I've ever seen. Uh, a lot of good judges say he's the best halfback of all time. And if he's not the best with those judges, they would say he's one of the top three at least. Yeah. And so I think <clears throat> there was definitely a feeling of we want the next great halfback. And there, were, there was a lot of thought it was going to be him. He won a premiership early. And everything seemed to be on track. I think the thing... I think that his record at origin level really started hurting him. And the fact that it coincided with New South Wales losing so many games and so many series didn't help. I think if they were winning even a couple of series here or there, you wouldn't think about his time in origin as poorly as you do. Cause let's face it. He was not good at origin level. Um, he's, and the thing about Pierce is great defender, but when the pressure was on, he wasn't good. And I think that that's the big thing about how we've we rate playmakers is what they do in the big pressure situations. It's not even as much about, you know, did they win a premiership? In my point of view, it's it's like, you know, did they get the job done when they were called upon? And I think that that was Pierce's Achilles heel. And I think that that's why Pierce, you wouldn't say he's like you think of the hierarchy of um, halfbacks just in the last, say, 40 years. And you think of like Johns and, and uh, Cronk, Thurston, uh, Kamali, you know, Sterling, players like this, Ricky Stewart, Alan Langer. He definitely isn't in that sort of place. No. I think he's in that, probably in the thing behind them on the Jason Taylor level, where you can say, you know what? He had a really solid, long-lasting career, but he wasn't one of those halfbacks. That's how I would describe him. Yeah, that's fair. It's pretty much, you know, around, around the same sort of region I'd have him as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um I think too we'll find that over time his impact on the game will be regarded as less and less. Mm-hmm. And until he's pretty much remembered the same way people remember Shane Perry. Well, here's a question for you. At their best as a halfback, who do you think was better? And you know I'm not a fan of this player. Do you think Mitchell Pearce or Craig Gower? 
Craig Gower. Yeah. I'd have to take Gower. At the absolute best? At the very best. Yeah, I'm taking Gower. Part of me would take Gower too. Now, why would you take Gower? Um, I think he's a little bit more reliable in clutch moments. That's what I would say as well. You know, he's just, he, you, you find some people when, when there's a, a play that needs to be made to help win a game, the, the genuine elite players want the ball mm-hmm. and those who are less likely to back themselves will take the ball if it's thrown their way. Otherwise, they're not going to go looking for it. And I think Gao is someone who would try and get his hands on the ball and try and do what he could to try and win a game. Whether he was effective at it or not, it's a different thing. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you've got to have the gumption to have a crack at it first. Yeah, and, like, I would pick Gower in saying that the Panthers' 2003 Premiership win, all of their most important playmaking was done by Preston Campbell, and it wasn't even close. I think yeah. Craig Gower's influence uh, on their performance that year was highly overrated by a lot of people. Um, but at the same time, I kind of agree with you. I, you know, I would pick Craig Gowan for the exact same reason, for the exact same reason. Experts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. But the, you know what? They, they're kind of similar players in that, you know, their kicking games were okay. They, they, were, they were pretty good for a halfback, but they weren't elite. They were both very good defenders, very, very good defenders. Um, and it's the little things, you know, it's those little extra things. It's it's weird. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of the category that I would have him in. Yeah, that's fair enough, I think. Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to look at all of the YouTube comments, which you're the one reading them. I don't know what we're in for. Neither do I. I've not read them either. That's how good I am. Um, I've got a feeling there's quite a few, so we'll see how far we get. Okay. Should we? Are we going of, from the ones we're going, that are, we're, we're going in chronological order, my friend. So we're going from the very early days. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're not going to know what the hell they're talking about. That's fair enough. But let's let's um, let's start out by saying that whatever opinion these people might be arguing with, they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But we're just going to make that clear from the outset. Yeah. So let's see. Um, we've got an article. Uh, one here was on the Greg Inglis retirement and something about the salary cap. And Rugby League History said, the birth of Fergo and the Freak. Not, not quite, but it is on the list here for some reason. Yeah, he's a he's he's a big listener of the podcast. He'll be listening to this one now. Yep. Um, he he he's right now. He's doing a season review for every single club. So if you want to check that out, just put in rugby league history in YouTube search, and you'll see he's got the blue logo. Just click on his logo and check out the videos. Yeah. Um. Next one here was two comments here for the dying clubs relocation expansion in the NRL. This might better be our second episode. I feel like it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rugby League History, again, 10 months ago, says, I know some manly people who are anti-North Sydney, but I think League Freak is probably one of the most anti-North people I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I agree. (laughs) Can't argue with that. And Jason, two years ago, said, Sunshine Coast is a no-brainer. That's almost uh, prophetic, isn't it? 
That is, yeah, that is. Let's see what we've got here. Um, on the Israel Falau update, why Rugby Australia can't win and why NRL Magic Weekend is stupid. And someone using the name Sonny Bill says, make Australia straight again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's not Sonny Bill. It's someone who's got that account. But that was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, oh, here we go. The Fergo and the Freak NRL podcast trailer, which is, I think, what you put together. Yep. Um, someone by the name of Nadine said, love it. So thanks, well, Nadine. I wonder if she ended up becoming a regular listener of the podcast. Um, that's a given, isn't it? Well, you'd hope so anyway. Yeah. Um, there's a video here where I did my NRL Round 17 footy tips in, what was this, 2019? Mm-hmm. And I did it with my daughter. Mm-hmm. She would have been four, just turned four at the time. Mm-hmm. And so the video has actually got a thumbnail of a rainbow unicorn with a rainbow in the background. <laughs> and she drew that, didn't she? No, this is one that she found on the on the, online. But there is one on there that, that um, we both tried to draw on uh, Microsoft Paint. Okay. okay. Which is less, less impressive. <laughs> um, but on there, my sister's on there. She just posted love hearts. So thanks for that sparkling... Whatever that was. Must be pretty cool having a creative sister. Yeah. Um, this one here, Blake Austin is not a POM plus the ARL's double standards. And someone by the name of Rakesh Hubert said, this affair reeks of a top-level cover-up. Pious Mark Coyne, Todd Greenberg and Peter Beatty condemned, blacklisted and destroyed Christian Israel Folau's future just for quoting the Bible. These three stooges are obviously unfit for the job, not Israel Folau, who's a great role model and a good example to everyone. You sure right. would judge that comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's aged well. Thanks, Rakesh. Um, the terrible NRL coaches, terrible NRL clubs, and Matt Moylan getting KO'd video. Wow, well, I, I, I tell you what, can't you just hear my voice putting these... <laughs> these uh things together like it's just blunt as shit these (laughs) these podcast names geez we just played the straight bat on everything yeah (laughs) rugby league history again comment on this one saying rugby league project has been like a bible to me for a number of years now oh that's awesome thanks man Uh, that's what we're aiming to try and do yeah that's why i put in all the effort um Episode 69, the most offensive, filthy, disgraceful rugby league podcast ever. It's someone going by the name Geelong Number One with mm-hmm. something AFL logo thing on there. Um, says, Sydney, South Melbourne got the nickname the Swans after a lot of players from Western Australia came over to play for South Melbourne and the name stuck. So officially they are the Swans, but old fans still use Bloods. Okay. But don't, don't take offense about this uh, Geelong Number One, but I just don't give a fuck. Yeah, like, uh, that's an interesting one. I, I like, at least we know now. I've forgotten already. Um, <laughs> final suspensions, eye gouging and hair pulling. Samuel oh. Bayless. Oh, yes, yeah, Samuel Bayless. He's a regular listener. Yeah, he is. He, he lets his comedy saying, loving the shows. Tony Williams getting the call up on par with Dragons playing Maranta. Looking forward to the past grand finals and history episodes. Yeah, we'll, we'll get around to that. Yeah, we need to do some of them. Yeah, that was only two years ago he made that comment. <laughs> Thanks for reminding us. 
Um, Rabbos versus Seagulls NRL Finals wrap up and naming the top five wingers in rugby league history. And Sam again comes in saying, interesting to see what Annesley comes up with after this. Wow. I'm sure it's some bullshit. Yeah, it's interesting. What? When was that from? That uh, two comment? years ago. Yeah, and since then, Annesley has come up with some fucking garbage. Some of the worst yeah. shit we've ever seen in rugby league. Now, this one's actually got four comments. Oh, no. Israel Folau looking to return to rugby league with Tonga, and Sam Burgess gets a slap on the wrist. Okay. Thomas McGilvery said... Yahoo Sports News, Wednesday, 25th September, 2019. It was reported that Falau has now admitted that five months ago, his controversial Instagram post breached the sports code of conduct of Rugby Australia, which surely will not any of his future court cases against Rugby Australia. Whatever. Okay. Um, Kudos 4 Sevens has, the moment you declare a set of ideas to be immune from criticism, satire, derision, or contempt, freedom of thought becomes impossible. Apparently Salman Rushdie said that. Uh, he was a great comedian and rugby league commentator, wasn't he? He was. <laughs> um, and someone's name that I can't pronounce has left two comments here. Not like he needs more money. His wife is a star in netball world. LOL. I hope he plays for Tonga. And of course, um, he never did. He never got close to it. Nope. Um, the 2019 NRL Grand Final review and player ratings. Hayden Otty says. I feel robbed, boys, and I'm a Raiders fan. 25 years of misery just to lose like that. The indecisiveness in that particular decision costed the game. The game, in my opinion, deserved an eight-all finish at worst from the Raiders' point of view. The team that won Golden Point would have been worthy legit premiers without a question, but it wasn't to be. Man, it's got to suck for Raiders fans because they, they, I think that they felt like that was the start of something and it was kind of the end of something. Yeah. It, it fell apart after that. that yeah. it, it's it's odd. You don't often get to see a moment in a game that breaks the soul of a club and it takes them a long time to recover from it. But that kind of was. Yeah, they didn't grow from it. And I think that the problem was that they they just said, well, let's come back with the same stuff this year. And, you know, it, that worked for Penrith, but because it was such a young team, you knew that there was going to be natural development from their players. The, the Raiders weren't a young team. And, you know, if anything, we saw m- most of their older players decline pretty quickly to the point where you get to this year. And, I mean, the straw that broke the camel's back was that game at, at Penrith Footy Stadium earlier this year when the Panthers just smashed them and they whinged their way out of Penrith Footy Stadium. And that kind of was it for their season. Yeah. Now, um. It's at this stage that it's pretty clear that uh, we started recording podcast episodes where your views on whales started to become known. Okay, you say that like you say that like I'm not speaking the truth about whales. No, 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 no. I'm not making any judgments whatsoever about your um, okay. whales comments. But um, okay. Patrick Patrick Oliver, yeah, um, started becoming a regular commenter any time you said something about whales. Okay. He's got one very long comment here. Yeah. I'll start with just the start of it. The rest of it is just um, expanding on that thought. So uh, how many players of Wales even producing both codes? Really? Okay, let's go down that road. And that's pretty much what he does. He goes down that road. He doesn't, let me be honest, he doesn't mention many. So he's mentioned Billy Boston, who I mentioned. 
Yeah, that's one, yeah, definitely. Um, Clive Sullivan. Yeah, he definitely star. Great star. Um, And then he says, who's this here? Anthony. Anthony Sullivan was a dual code international and was part of the St. Helens team that beat Brisbane to win the World Club Championship. He reached two World Cup semifinals with a Welsh team that had the likes of, are you ready for these other yeah, big yeah, names? Anthony, you forget, yeah, Anthony they Sullivan. Do, do, they do, do, lately An- forgot. Andrew, Andrew, do you remember Anthony Sullivan? What a great player he was. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, here's the others that you forgot, you mm-hmm. Welsh-hating prick. <laughs> Lee Breers, Yes, oh, Harris. First of all, first of all, let's kick five field goals when we're up by 40 points. Fucking show, Pony. And I bet you, money you wasn't born in Wales. But if that's the if that's the gold standard for Wales, I stand by everything I say. Yes, then Harris. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Let me just let me just say too that yeah. um, in his efforts to try and talk about how great how many great players have come from uh, Wales, he's actually put Yes, and Harris's surname wrong. Really? How do you see? Has he spelt his uh, last no, name? No, this this guy spelled it Harry's. Oh, okay, okay. With an E in there. Yeston Harris. I'm pretty sure he was born in England as well. By the way, Yeston Harris, he switched codes. He yes. left rugby league, and uh, he. I worked out that I think it was 43 minutes of rugby union that he played before he was called up to the Welsh international team. And yes, that, that, that's a, let's be honest. That's a pretty long wait for a rugby league player to make yeah. a uh, an international appearance it, in rugby union. You know what? It was the record, and then Sam just turned up, didn't even have to play a club game. No, no. You know who I think broke it first was uh, remember that dude that played for your West Tigers and then went to the Marita Corabidi. I oh, think yes. he was called straight up. Yeah, but not having not played a game, so I think he broke the record. Oh, right. But you know. Yeston Harris, he's not even a first grader in Australia. I was thinking Jonathan Davies. You remember him from that try at Wembley, also played in the 1987 Union World Cup team that came third, beating Australia in the bronze game because everyone remembers bronze wins. Who gives a shit? I don't give a shit what he did in rugby union. And the one you you forgot. No, rugby league, he was crap. I'm sorry. I watched him play for the Cowboys. And it was all of this big hype talk about him, and he was fucking garbage. The one name you forgot, Kieran Cunningham. Oh, don't forget Kieran Cunningham. Kieran Cunningham, he he has his own gravity, Kieran Cunningham. Um, I heard heard you readjusting that comment there because I know what it used to be. What? What? I think you self-censored. Well, actually, we had to edit out an episode once where you made comments about Kieran Cunningham. Listen, Andrew. <laughs> Don't create more work for yourself. Yeah, you know what? I'm <laughs> I'm weighing it up, hey. Yeah, I won't. Sure I, I won't create more work for myself. Yeah. But let me just say, Kieran Cunningham is the most overrated rugby league player in the history of rugby league. He wasn't even one of the top three hookers when he played in Super League. Like, if he's the best that they've got, just the, it's, the conversation's over. And by the way, born in England once again. There you go. It's like all of the best things out of Wales apparently don't come from Wales. Uh-huh. Imagine that. Oh, hang on. What about uh, uh, Tyson Frizzell? 
He wasn't born in Wales either. He was born in New South Wales. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> then there's also David Watkins. Um, Morgan Knowles. Yeah, Morgan Knowles. What a wonderful player Morgan Knowles is, yeah. Regan Grace. Oh, Regan Grace, yeah. We keep on hearing about what an incredible player he is. I'd like to see it one day, hey? As far as union goes, do I even need to go down that route? Well, no, because we don't care. So I'm not going to read the rest of that. Well, all the best reunion players ended up playing league at one point. And look, if here's the thing about Wales, right? They go on about how much they love rugby union, and they're not fucking good at it. Like, does anyone go into a rugby union World Cup saying, you know what? We're going to fucking keep an eye on Wales. No, they don't, ever. Wales have not won a Rugby Union World Cup. They've not been close to winning a Rugby Union World Cup. No one fucking cares about Wales. I don't know when the next Rugby Union World Cup is. You know who's not going to win it? Fucking Wales. (laughs) Australia's Rugby Union team is made up of a bunch of fucking guys that are just off the plane from different parts of the southern fucking Pacific Ocean and a bunch of private school guys fucking losers from North Sydney yeah. and they always do better than Wales. Fuck <laughs> off. Wales Rugby Union. It's the most yeah. overrated shit in the world. Now the uh, the last comment he's got here is, what's your population? 24 million? Ours is 3 million. Career change maybe. And so I actually replied to it at the time saying, Australia's provided vastly more elite league and union players than Wales has. Probably even more than eight times as many more. Because he's talking about how our population is eight times bigger. So I was suggesting that... Uh, yeah, there's been more elite and union players coming from Australia than Wales. Well, how about this? There's and the Brisbane, uh, well, the Brisbane population's two million. Look at all of the talent that's come out of Brisbane compared to Wales. <laughs> Case closed. There you go. Um, he didn't like that because he said vastly more, eight times as many more union players. That's surely a joke. And it's not. It's true. He, he goes on further. I'm I'm not going to bother going any further. Um, <laughs> we guess to the next episode is the 2019 Rugby League Nines World Cup, what we thought of it and how it can be improved. And uh, Patrick's back. Okay. I went to that, by the way, both days. Yes. He says, um, he's laughing. He's saying, you must have caught your missus in bed with a Welshman. And well, it then... would be, it'd, it'd be easy because she'd come in disappointed. <laughs> and, then, and then he has another one saying spot on with Regan, yet Bennett has picked Hall and McGovery for Great Britain. Dinosaur selection. Well, at least we can agree on some things. Yeah. Remember how good that uh, the English and the English team went in that uh, Nines World Cup? No. No. No, no one gave a fuck. Even the women's <laughs> team was shit. Um, NRL rumours play movement for 2020. Bradford Bulls and France versus Australia A. And someone using the uh, tag all NRL says, how long do you guys reckon Daly Cherry Evans will stay at Manly? Uh, I reckon now that he... was he's he's made that in late 2019, early 2020. Um, okay. I'll say he'll be there until at least the end of 2021. <laughs> I reckon. Do you reckon Cherry Evans would go up to the Dolphins? No, I don't think they'll chase him. I don't. Yeah, I feel like he'll stay only... at Manly, and then when they get sick of him, he'll go over to England. Oh, you reckon? Yeah, he'll go over to France. Okay. And he'll make a ton of money over there. How old's Cherry Evans now? Cherry Evans has got to be, 30, what, 30? 31? Is 30? he 31 this year coming up? Something like that, yeah. Okay. He, he's still playing well. There's no... 
Oh, he's yeah. Not, he's not losing it as a player. But no. I'm just thinking if, you know, when 2023 rolls around, he would be nice to have, but I don't know. I, I feel like they're going to go for someone else. And, you know, how long are you going to have him there? Uh, I, I'd, I'd pr- if I had to put my money on him going to the Dolphins or France after being at Manly, I would I would go with you. I'd say France. Yeah. Um, international footy wrap up and what's wrong with rugby league in Great Britain? And uh, Patrick's back. Okay. And we're starting to see a turn in Patrick. Oh, really? I've started convincing Patrick, eh? Hey? Yeah. You've raised some doubts. Okay. <laughs> and he's he's come around. Uh, he says he problem is two of the best rugby coaches on earth are ex-Great Britain rugby league coaches, but they're coaching in union. Sean yeah. Edwards, from what I know, doesn't have a plan after the third place playoff game against the All Blacks. Get him in. There's absolutely no way Super League will ever again get rid of promotion and relegation. The concept of franchises in any sport in the UK is absolutely loathed with a passion by everyone. Yeah. New clubs in expansion areas, yes, but merging Hulk with Hull FC will never, ever happen. Closing off Super League from promotion and relegation was despised. It'll never happen, whether it needs to or not. One thing is killing Great Britain Rugby League, the RFL. They're a joke. Yeah, look, I agree with most of that. I, I don't think we would have ever said to merge Hulk AR and Hull FC. Look, I, I probably did just because I was suggesting, you know, as I'm not saying that that's the sort of thing they had to do, but just tossing up ideas of how extreme they've got to start thinking to try and improve and, and change their fortunes around. They've got to start looking at out-of-the-box out ideas to try and yeah. make things happen because doing the same shit all the time is getting them nowhere. Yeah, 100%. And, look, I understand that English people have an idea about sport that includes promotion and relegation and, and all that stuff. And look where it's got rugby league in the UK. Like, you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And, you know, it's all well and good to say people in the UK don't like franchises. Um, have nothing then. That's that's fine. Have nothing. That's cool. Yes. Um, next one. Tonga beats Australia. Great Britain lose to a poor New Zealand team and international footy rap. And uh, Patrick's back. Yeah, I like Patrick. I don't. Yeah. I don't not like Patrick. I no, like Patrick's good. Yeah. I'm liking the uh, the evolution of this uh, relationship too. I know. I, you, know you know what it is, Andrew. Eventually, <laughs> you can start hating me at first, but then over time, I overwhelm you and crush your soul, and you have to like me. <laughs> People just learn, you know, that you're just a lovable bloke after all. Yeah. It's like like me or else. <laughs> so he starts this one with. Oh, you knew I'd tune into this episode. Ever wonder why we're not playing in these recent internationals? We qualified a year ago. We've also made two semi-finals in our recent history. And yes, we won the first ever Rugby League International, which was in 1903. I thought it was... was Something like that, which is real relevant in 2019. Um, You do make a good point about qualifying in different geographic areas of the world. Australia and New Zealand qualify for World Cups in soccer by beating uninhabited islands. We have to play Germany, France, Croatia, Italy, etc. That's soccer talk. I don't know what that's about. No, that's that's fair enough. He's uh, he he's right there. Of course, Australia have to qualify against Asia now because we ditched the uh, the other conference, 
And uh, because what we used to do is we had to beat everyone in the Oceania conference in soccer. And then we would play the, I think it was fifth ranked South American team. Last time I heard, South Americans are pretty good at soccer. Yeah, they're pretty good at it. Yeah. And we we would have to beat those teams. And we did, you know, and that's how we'd get to the World Cup. Now we qualify through Asia. And since we've been doing that, we've made it to every single World Soccer World Cup since. Um, but you know, England's pretty good at soccer. I, I've I've seen the archival footage. <laughs> at least they won a World Cup in that one. Yeah, true. It's it's fantastic. I was watching some uh, old film of it. It was when they were good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Did, did you actually have to manually roll the film to watch it? Well, that now they've got it all on YouTube, and it's oh you know, that helps. That helps. Obviously, it's in black and white. Yeah. That's that, but that's still they won nineteen sixty six. That's nothing wrong with that. No. Um, the media versus Latrell Mitchell defending a young man who's done nothing wrong, and Billya Kriskos says, "Good one, boys." Thanks Thank you, that, mate. Thank you for that. Um. The disastrous British Lions tour and Fiji and Papua New Guinea play out a classic. And uh, we've got Patrick back again. Mm-hmm. That's a long one, Patrick. I'm not going to read that out. Uh, starts with Northern England have failed to produce. That's Britain's problem. He's not arguing with us on this one. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he's coming around. It's true. Um, it's true. And someone here... By the name of Sefo Asui says, Australia have done more for us in the Pacific Rugby League and the world than what England and Great Britain have done for 100 years of bullshit international. Um, they want ESL coach, mate. Bennett is a great coach. There will be no difference with ESL coach. But the excuses from the North, oh, it's because the Pacific teams have NRL players. Mate, if England or Great Britain played Australia, it would be 50 plus. Saves the English blushes. Is that is that your account? No, no, it's uh, it sounds like something I would say. Um, but he's right. It's it's always weird when you know there's a certain mindset with some people, and it's not everyone. It's some people within English rugby league where they look at the NRL and they think Australia an Australian competition, and I I think. We, I don't think anybody that follows an NRL club thinks this is an Australian competition. It's kind of like a it's a melting pot competition, you know. And so when we see players from Fiji and Tonga and, and, and things like that, we don't look at them as being, say, imports, for instance. No. They're, just, you know, they're just the players, you know. Whereas in England, they see the, they look at and they see the imports. And I think that 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 influences the way that they look at our competition. Um, you know, and then they'll say, like, Australia does nothing for international rugby league, and it's like, well, have a look at the amount of players that have been developed from other countries by what eventually is the Australian rugby league system. And look, it is all it's all performance based. It's not like it the Australian rugby league clubs or based clubs look at Pacific Island nations and say, We want to do something great for these nations, so we're gonna develop these players. They're looking for the best players and talent they can find. And a lot of them tend to be 
from New Zealand or Tonga or Samara or Fiji or PNG or wherever. And, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I always think of the Auckland Warriors and when they come into the competition and New Zealand rugby league was, was pretty good, but it wasn't what it is today. And what it is today has been developed because they have a team in the NRL and that gets overlooked. And, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that if you look at Super League, some of the resurgence of the French team is because there are, is a French team in Super League as well. But Australia's been doing this sort of stuff for quite a while. And I think it too often gets dismissed by people in the Northern, well, not the Northern Hemisphere, but mostly England, who they think England is on some moral high ground that it just isn't. That's right. Um, what what are we think? A podcast for Julie. Okay. I think Julie needed a podcast because she was either bored or she was about to have a baby or something. No, I think she was just bored. Okay. Um, let's uh, shout out to Julie. How are you? Um, I think she did just she did become a mum a few months back. Yeah, a few months ago. Yeah. So uh, hope everything's going good there. Um, Bill, your Chris Goss is back, and he says you didn't mention Madge is the new coach, and the signings have been much better since Cleary left the club. And Politis is Packers' mate, probably Murdoch's mate. They know they just lost the face of the NRL. It's a damage control. Teams are also big money corporates. Images everything. But this is my opinion. I have no facts to back any of this up. Nice show. I'll listen again in the future. Well, that's cool. I wonder who who it was that he was saying was the face of the comp that the game had lost. I don't know. I can't remember who it would have been, hey? Um. And Sefo Asui is back saying, compulsory eight to ten week summer league NRL world clinics, teaching and spreading of skills and NRL IP to Asia, Pacific and America. That's how to fix shitty off-season behaviour. <laughs> that would be pretty cool, actually. I like all of those ideas. Just make them work. Yeah. I like hey, it. Did, did you see um, that there was another article a couple of days ago about uh, South Sydney and Manly playing a preseason game in the United States. I did see that, yeah. They fucking every year, every fucking year it rolls around. And it never happens. I was waiting for the one about China. Yeah, well, Manly is normally linked to playing games in China. Yeah. And I know that Souths have played, I think they might have played Leeds a number of years ago. They might have done it a couple of times in, I think, Jacksonville they played them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that Manly never plays anywhere else. Oh. Can't even get Manly to play at North Sydney Oval. No, well, I mean, why would you? There's a tree on oh. the tree where the stairs should be. Exactly, it's got a cricket pitch in the middle. So, should the NRL buy rugby union in Australia? And Ralph Rimmer quadruples down, <laughs> quadruples down, and thunder and lightning. I don't know what that was about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Home One said, interesting idea, but World Rugby would prop up union in Australia as it does in other countries. Even if the standard went down to a second division standard in terms of international test rankings, they'd keep it going on life support somehow. The problem, as you say, is there are no players coming through as their best players are picked off by the NRL beyond private school level. Yeah, he's right on the second part. On the first part, I remember hearing uh, the former rugby Australian Rugby Union CEO, John O'Neill, and he was talking about 
Um, I think it was, I think it was during the Australian Super League war. Yeah. And after that, an Australian rugby league was uh, in a very poor state financially. And he talked about what would have happened at that time had the World Rugby Union or whatever they called, they called themselves the IRB at that point. But if they had, if he had have gone to them and said, give me, because there was a big headline that came out and it was John O'Neill saying, I'll buy rugby league. Now, Australian Rugby Union, if you took all of its money that it has ever made in its entire history, has never, ever been a position to buy anything in regards to rugby league um, in terms of clubs or infrastructure or in administration in its whole history, right? But there was that big headline and it caused a, a big, big sensation at the time. And I remember years later, he said if he had gone, that, that he talked about it with some international types and the appetite for allowing Australian Rugby Union to get an influx of Australian rugby league talent was zero. (laughs) And that, and so I tend to think that if you went, if you went and you did buy Australian rugby union, or you said, we're going to become a stakeholder and there were rugby union types that went to the international rugby union and said, Hey, we need help. I think that there would be plenty of rugby unions across the world that would say, you want us to spend tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars to help Australian rugby union? How about no? (laughs) Well, exactly right. I'll tell you what, though, the only time in the history of both rugby codes Mm -hmm. when rugby union would have had any hope of buying rugby league here, it would have been during the Super League War. That's the only thing that would have only because the clubs and the games itself were on shit budgets. Yeah. Um, but just because they, they that would have been the only time they could do it doesn't mean that they were financially strong enough to do it. They would have been relying on loans from all of their, you know, private school links and every other half-rich person in the country to prop it up. And it wouldn't have been feasible at all. I, but I that would have been the only time in, that I can think of where if, if they were going to do it, they probably would have got closest to pulling it off. Then. I tend to think it would have been driven by the broadcasters at the time who had... Pretty much. Yeah, that, I mean, they had obviously picked up Rugby Union yeah. and was starting professional rugby. Well, they started paying taxes. The players. They had the... Was it Super... Was it Super 14s where it was then? I can't remember. It, I think it started off as the Super 10s and it went up to 12s and 14s. Um, yeah. Well, when and, they had that going, I mean, that was at its infancy then and that was quite popular on pay TV at the time. So it was doing all right on TV rights deals and stuff then. And I think Australia had run two World Cups in a row or something like that. So the game was sort of in a bit of a purple patch. Whether they had much money because of that, I don't know. But as I said, Rugby Union was in a good spot then, and Rugby League just wasn't. It's the only time really in the history of the two codes um, being in existence when Rugby Union and Rugby League had that massive chasm in their fortunes. It was Rugby Union being um, faring a lot better than Rugby League. Most of the other time it was either level pegging or League was better. 
Yeah, and and the other thing is too that uh, you know it was all it was all at the top for rugby union where and rugby league spends a lot of money you know downstream and rugby union wasn't doing that and that's why they're in a really bad position now. They won't spend the money on development. And by the time they realised they needed to spend money on development, they turned around and realised that all of the NRL clubs and now the New South Wales and Queensland Cup clubs, they were all just buying any young rugby, you know, in you know, league and union talent that was around and they missed the boat. And that's why there's so many internationally born players in that Australian rugby union team, because there's just not there's no talent left in Australian rugby union. Um, yeah. I I think I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but I think that the both codes will merge eventually down the track. But I think it's going to be just the process of rugby union taking a slower approach to changing their rules in the same way that rugby league did um, to make the professional sport be what it needs to be to be a professional sport. Yeah, it might happen a lot faster. You know, there's talk that Peter Volandis is could be weighing up his future over the Christmas break. He might take up a gig at the uh, Rugby Australia. How do you imagine if he goes in? He, he, I mean, first, he's, he's netted them a good TV rights deal already. Yeah, I was going to say, imagine <laughs> if he goes in and then negotiates an even a bigger discount on those rugby union rights deals, and Channel Nine's like, this guy's great. He just. <laughs> um, by the way, the Australian Rugby Union's TV rights deal would be $2 million more than the NRL grant this year to two NRL clubs. So NRL clubs normally get $13 bucks a year. They got $14 bucks this year, and so that's $28 million. The Australian Rugby Union TV rights deal is for $30 million. That's nuts. It is crazy, hey? It shows you the difference. Yeah. Um, Patrick Oliver also says, um, an England-France-Celtic nations, Wales-Ireland-Scotland comp would be good. Wales-Scotland-Ireland would be competitive as one, albeit with a fair few heritage players. Uh, also, South Africa has already started moving. There are two teams in the Pro 14. And he goes on about South Africa. Yeah, because I... Yeah, I was talking then about the time because I, I you could tell South Africa was going to leave the uh, rugby union super rugby competition and they did that finally. They've done that now completely. It's That's over now. now the 2019 King of Rugby League Awards, uh, Sefo Asui is back and he's added this tweet. I don't know if he's making suggestions mm-hmm. for other awards or not, um, but he said there's the Golden 13, Yep. Boots of boots of gold. Um, oh, that would be, I guess, the best goal kickers. Perhaps, yeah. The elite one boot and the golden selection. Okay. I wish he told us what he was meaning by those ones. In 2019, we said James Tedesco was the, the uh, king of rugby league that year. So, yes. Yeah. Um, the Earl Park Riot history episode. Mm-hmm. Samuel Bayless replied with, this is crazy. I can imagine Saints fans skull with that axe. <laughs> That's hilarious. And John Superdude says, please do a video of the World Cup draw. Okay. No. Uh, here we go. 
2021 Rugby League World Cup draw and other random chat. And uh, George McPherson, he has a, looks like a Leeds United logo, so we can kind of see where this is going to go. Typical Aussie saying nothing nice about England. Well, two can play at that game. Us English can say nothing positive about Australia. The NRL has gone backwards. It's funny how you lot think that our rugby league has gone backwards when it is the NRL. You had several teams that either went bust or had to merge with other clubs. Rest in peace, Australian rugby league. That one didn't age well. <laughs> that one aged really poorly. Yeah, well done, George. Um, that, that that was like a, an English dude that just hit his 20s. It aged really poorly. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm surprised that he was able to make a tweet on a YouTube video from 2021, but he made the comment in 2000. It's pretty impressive. There you go. Um, let's see, what else we got here? Rating each NRL club's possible spine for the 2020 season. And uh, Sefo Asui is back saying, Sean Wayne was a, has a boring style that plays into the hands down here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's going to be really bad for them in the World Cup. Um, you know, he's he's one of these English coaches that, are, you know, he won because he was at the, one of the clubs that spent money. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not going to go well for them. So we'll see what happens. Um, Kevin Sinfield is not one of the best players of all time. Hashtag goats in field. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Ben replied, agreed. The picking of Sinfield is ridiculous, but to listen to an Aussie calling English rugby league self-absorbed is beyond parody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't parody. <laughs> no, I just... Um, check he's out like, my. He's like, you know what? You lot are right, but <laughs> what are you talking about? Check out my gold Rolex. Okay, uh, that was a Sui has a uh, pirate is rugby league's number one media anti. Makes me aggro. Who what? Who is pirate? So that's uh, was it Peter Fitzsimons? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, St. Helens lose to the Sydney Roosters in the World Club Challenge again and NRL All-Star Game Talk. Sefo uh, is back saying, the hype of World Club Challenge is overrated when the All-Stars blew that out of the park skill-wise. You know, I was thinking about the uh, World Club Challenge today. We haven't played it now for a couple of years. Has anyone missed it? Not really. No. It's a hard missed. concept to get behind. Yeah, it's just, it's fucking boring. Yeah. doesn't mean um, anything. No. The NRL Checkmates Channel 9. Don't know what that was about. No. But Seth uh, O.C. saying, good work, fellas. Listening to it right now. Good yarn in these tough times. Thanks. To quote Carbone, fuck Channel 9 instead. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm sure he was on about there, but yeah. Um. All right, so that's where we're up to there. Shall we keep going? Yeah, yeah, I'm cool to keep going. Are you good to keep going? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've, I've still, yeah, I mean, I've got tons of time. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, let's see, what's next on here? The breaking Greg Inglis to make a comeback in 2021 with the Warrington Wolves in Super League. Mm-hmm. Colin Hoyles, we've got three comments here. Oh, wow. Colin Hoyle says, he definitely won't be playing at fullback. Why have 
probably got the best fullback in Super League in Stefan Rashford and the best up-and-coming fullback in Matty Ashton, who's one of the fastest in Super League. He'll probably be in the centres or second row loose forward. He was pretty right about that, although Inglis didn't play much footy. And we talked about it on the podcast. He looked, uh, he didn't look good. He's actually, he uh, he retired again. Yeah. And then he's unretired in the last couple of weeks. He's going to play for Maxville, I believe. That's right, in, yeah. In one of the, the country competitions. Yeah. Um, Try5 says, I'm a Warrington Wolves fan, but he will be the replacement for Ben Murdoch Masilla. So he reckons he was going to be a forward. And bring back the shoulder charge, bring back the biff reply to that with Try5 Inglises ain't the same he once was. Uh, anyway, he's just ruined his career by choosing a shit team who hasn't won a grand final for 65 years. You know what, they? It's interesting. I... Um... I thought he would go better, but he he just really never got started. That's no, what it come down to. I th- I he, think that if he was gonna, if you could do that over again for him, you'd say you need to be under a hundred kilos just to take pressure off his body and his knee in particular. And then, uh, but you know, you looked at him; he, he was carrying so much weight. He's very disappointing. He's really really disappointing. Yeah, yeah, he he struggled big time. He didn't look like he was fit enough at all. Mm. Um, that was that's a shame because it would have been interesting to see how he would have gone in the in the Super League. Yeah. Um, the Greek English to Warrington, Paul Gallon looking at a comeback, and Joe Rogan's massive deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry says the thing about his position is Warrington have Blake Austin five eight and a fullback with Matty Ashton, who is a really promising youngster, and Stefan Rashford. So I would think he will play second row with Murdoch Masilla leaving. Okay. It's keen, keen on him going to the second row. Probably would have worked over there, to be honest. I, I like I just can't. I remember watching him and thinking, man, this is uh, it, it's not good. And I only saw the the first game he played, and it just was really, really bad. It was basically the opposite of what you, you wanted to see from him. Yeah. Um. Breaking, Bronson Cherry tests positive for banned substances. Yeah. Uh, Melinda Feld says, do any of you commentators want to ask why it took six months to get this supposed result? That is what I am questioning. I don't understand why it took so long. We can get any other test results in days. I know that they've got to um, they've got to do the A sample and then the B sample. Yeah. I can't. Re- I don't remember it taking six months, though. It was a... I believe it was a pre-season test and he was yeah. banned before the season kicked off. It wasn't like it had happened at the end of last year. No, and you know, coming, out of injury, coming out of injury as well too. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Greasy Gamer, who's a Sharks fan, because you can see the logo there, and he just said, this is terrible. Yeah, terrible. Really was. Um, let's see. What's it going to be like? Um, he's probably got a, what, a, probably about 18 months left on that ban. Um, are you looking forward to him being a Tiger? Yeah, I'm wondering if they'll put him at centre or wing. Yeah, I would, I would guess they probably would. I mean, they love a centre. I'll tell you what. Well, I'll tell you what. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and says, you know, I'm so much bigger now. We'd have to. Look, if I got banned for drugs, like a banned performance-enhancing substance, I would roid the fuck up. <laughs> I, because why not? What are they going to do, ban you again? It, it's not like you're under their testing regime for that that four years. 
um, yeah, he should roid the fuck up. Just turn up and he's just 140 kilos and it's all just muscle. Yeah, yeah, 100%. What could go wrong? <laughs> um, the 2020 Ashes Tour cancelled and British Rugby League chat. Simon Hughes says, you guys are talking about France, Australia helping France in the International Rugby League. Here is a bid for a French team based in New Caledonia, a team to join their Queensland Cup team. We call the Pacific Tries. Tries? Tries? Tries. That one, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Thir- 13 in French. Yep. That's the one. Because they weren't allowed to use the name rugby right. in uh, right. France. They were banned from using the word rugby, so that's and what that, they used. That hung it's... around until 1991. Yeah. It's fucking unbelievable, isn't it? Insane. Absolutely insane. Um, this is me. Best available coaches, Brisbane Expansion, England versus Exiles, and John Bateman to Wigan. And uh, me, me, gave a comment saying, Broncos headquarters north of the river, east base south, east centrally located in Brisbane, seagulls to the east, good people who don't know about city have views on expansion. Don't know what that's all about. I, I don't think we ever took a view of that we knew better than people in Brisbane, ever, did yeah. we? Like, no. I don't think we ever sat here and said, oh, this is how it should be and stuff. I think through the whole thing we've been like, look, it's it's up to the people of Brisbane and, and what works best for them because it's a, it's, it is a complex situation, you know? Yeah. Um, now, this is in response to – there's two replies in response to the interview we had with Nick Livermore from the Brisbane Bombers bid. Yep. Uh, Jason says, I'm an expansion nerd. I think a Sunshine Coast NRL side makes so much sense. And Simon is back and he says, great episode. I enjoyed listening to the Brisbane Brommers. I hope you can get some of the other expansion groups. I'm very fascinated with the Pacifica 13 team, um, the French Polynesia and the New Caledonia and Vanuatu franchise if they're allowed to join the Queensland Cup. I haven't heard anything about that team. No, neither have I. Um. Phil Gould is wrong about the obstruction rule. And Pomoy A says, like music to my ears, love the 40-minute rant, guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, how to fix the New Zealand Warriors. Simon Hughes again says, Auckland Rugby League did buy the Warriors 18 months ago and sold it again to Ortex Industries. I didn't, I didn't know about them selling it again. No. I knew that they purchased it. I didn't know they'd sold it again. Did you know that? I never. I hadn't heard anything about that. Yeah, I, I want to look that up after the podcast. And that's the end of part one of this two-part episode. It's the first two-part episode that we've done. And what we found was there were so many comments from this point on that we just had to put it over into another show, unfortunately. But the next show is going to be good. Now, just on Ortex Industries, I looked it up, and they they originally owned 33% of the Warriors when the Auckland Rugby League did purchase it from Mark Watson, I believe it was, and then they upped their stake to 100% soon after that. So they do, in fact, own 100% of the New Zealand Warriors. 
How about that? You learn something new every day. So the next episode, part two of this, is going to be out probably on Sunday. It could be out a little bit earlier, but we'll see. But we always lock in Sunday as an episode that we're going to record anyway. So that'll be it at the very latest. Um, thank you for listening. Check out the website, FergoandTheFreak.com. Check out RugbyLeagueProject.org. Check out LeagueFreak.com. Um, as always, check out both of our Patreon pages. Andrew's one is patreon.com forward slash RL project. Is that the one? I believe it is. Yep. And uh, my one is patreon.com slash leaguefreak, no spaces. You can see it all in the description anyway. So if you're wondering about all of our links and stuff, I've put them all in the description. I've changed the description up a little bit and how that's all linked up anyway. So go check that out. Once again, thank you for listening. We love that you listen. If you want to get your comments read out, go to YouTube and check out some of our latest uh, videos that we've got up on there. They're all just the podcast episodes. And leave some comments. Make sure you subscribe too. But it's an easy way to get your comments read out in the next episode. So thank you for listening, and we'll catch you soon.